0: I can't wait. It's been a great week. Uh, If you're around yesterday, um, you would have seen the car park a little fuller than normal on a Saturday. Uh, It was Romy and Ben's wedding. And some people are sitting here, who's Romy and Ben? Well, let me tell you about them. They're a great couple in our church. If you have kids, you really appreciate them. They are our kids pastors. And so yesterday they decided, you know what, um, after four years of dating, And then they decided two months beforehand, let's get married. Okay. And so they're married. And so it's just, it was a great occasion. And it was a great thing to see people come out and just appreciate who they are and what they do. Um, I know a lot of people weren't, you know, invited to to the after. But I, I love to see how many parents and young daughters turned up for that occasion to celebrate their wedding. And you don't realize is that when you do that as a parent, what you're celebrating, you're celebrating function. You're celebrating a value of the house, which is marriage. And just as I looked out, I, I did the service, and it was a really quick service. And through the service, they read a Dr. Zeus book. And so I was like, she's built for kids' ministry. But, but as I looked through the service, I, I love seeing the parents with their daughters. And they were just scattered up the back, just looking out and just... You know, and and I I love that because what it's saying to the kids is, hey, look, that's your future. Uh, Hey, look, this is what's going to take place. And who knows, sometimes in the world they don't see that. And I want to encourage you as a church, if we hear of anyone getting married within the life of our church, it is okay to turn up. I want to encourage you on that one. It's really quiet in here. Just gate crash weddings. Go on, I dare you. But I just enjoyed it, and it was just great to see. And so, as, as I told you, I've been on holidays, and I've been wrestling with uh, what, I, what I'm going to preach this morning. And um, as we're coming into this next season of our church, over the next month, we're going to be talking about the Holy Spirit. Who knows the Holy Spirit is important in our life? Who knows the Holy Spirit is important in our life? And for me, I was thinking, you know, we've got great preachers and great teachers in, in, our, in our midst and in our congregation, and Carolina is one of them. And every time I get up here, I'm like, I feel as though I don't really know the Bible. So I thought I would start reading about this topic. And I know a lot about the Holy Spirit. I love the Holy Spirit. He, he was sent. He is our helper. He is our comforter. He is our He comes and he ministers to us. And And I thought, well, I'll go back to my Bible school days and start reading through some of my books. And as I started reading, I started reading about the letters of Paul. Anyone love the letters of Paul? Anyone ever delved into the letters of Paul and thought, you know what, in these letters I will study the Holy Spirit? Well, the Holy Spirit is there. And so I thought, well, I'm going to teach over this, over the next, or we'll preach, or teach, or however you call it, however you want to take it. But over the next couple of weeks, I want to speak about this subject, and, and so the next one would be part two, but I really come to this conclusion after looking through the books and the letters of Paul, is it that it's the Holy, Holy Spirit that brings us to salvation, It is the Holy Spirit that reveals faith in Jesus Christ. It is the Holy Spirit that reveals the Word of God. As some people think that, you know, you have to have faith. But first of all, it's the Spirit of God revealing who God is to you before you can have faith, before you can believe. Is everyone still with me? And so for us... Uh, As I've been reading and reading some commentaries, there's this one thing that jumped out at me. This guy, says this. He says, Can you truly be saved without the Spirit of God in your life? Whoa. I was like, what? That's... And then he goes on, he, he makes this statement, he says... True disciples have the Spirit of God in their life. My question to you today is Do you have the Spirit of God in your life? Is the Spirit of God evident in your life? When you open up, open up the Scriptures, is the Spirit of God revealing what is in those Scriptures to you? Who knows? Sometimes you can read the Word of God and it's like, yeah done. But it's another thing to say, come on Holy Spirit teach me and show me what is in the word today. Who knows, who's ever done that? And it's like, wow there's something in me. Something powerful. And so today I thought, well then where did this all start for Paul? How did this all start within his life? He has written so many great letters to the church, to Corinthians, to Ephesians, to Timothy he's advised them, he's coached him. And he's always mentioned the Spirit of God, but then what took place in his life for him to get to that point? And as I was thinking, and I was like, well, you know, we could just go deep, deep, deep into theology. But I thought, well, where did it start? It started for him on the road to Damascus. It, it started for him on the road leading into Damascus to persecute the church. It started for him at that moment where he was there. He knew the Word. He read the Word. He studied the Word. He was a scholar of the Word. But yet, he did not know. And so this morning, I thought we would just pick it up. We would pick it up. In Acts chapter 9, verse 3. And most people know this scripture. Most people have heard people speak about this scripture. And we find Saul, who was later called Paul. He he was a Pharisee. He was a persecutor of the church. He was a murderer. He was full of zeal in his life. He was passionate about the law. He was accounted for at the first martyr. Do you realize that he was present when Stephen was first martyred? The first martyr mentioned in the Bible. He was present at that moment. He was one that stood by and held the cloaks of those that stoned. You read the accounts. His hands were not clean. But yet somehow God took him and used him to write most of the New Testament. He was present in that first moment. He was all about position, authority, and purpose. And we pick it up here. In Acts chapter 9, verse 3, and he's just got letters from the high priest to go into Damascus and and, and find the the Christians and bring them out. And it says, as he journeyed, he came near Damascus, and suddenly a light shone around him from heaven, and then he fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, Who are you, Lord? And then the Lord said to him, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. It is hard for you to kick against the galls. So, so, he, so he, trembling and astonished, said, Lord, what do you want me to do? Then the Lord said to him, Arise and go into the city, and you will be told what you do, must do next. And the men who journeyed with him stood speechless, hearing a voice but seeing no one. And then Saul arose from the ground, and, he, and his eyes opened. When he opened, he saw no one. But they led him by the hand and brought him to Damascus. And he was there three days without sight, and neither drank nor ate. How's that? Who's ever had a moment with God like that? Yeah, you're focused, you're purposed. You know, Saul, he knew about the Scriptures. And this is what I find about this piece of Scripture, is that Saul had studied all the Word of God, all the Old Testaments, but yet he did not know God's voice. He did not know God's voice. It's from His encounter with God right there, we can see he didn't know who was speaking. Is it, it was Jesus that said, it it is Jesus whom you are persecuting. You know, it's one thing to know his word, but it's another thing to hear his voice. I believe this, is that on our knees, the Spirit of God reveals his identity and ours. Paul is traveling, and what you find is that he is on his knees. He is on his knees, and and while he's on his knees, he is like, who are you? Who are you? When was the last time you actually spoke to God? When was the last time? is that for Saul, he was found, his identity, in the letter of the law. It came out of his position, his title, his reputation. I, I think for some of us today, or most people today, we find our identity in our position, title, and reputation. You think about it. If you, what are some of the conversations that you have with people today? It, it, it's like, well, hey... So, how are you going? What's your name? Where do you work? How many kids do you have? How old are you? Are you no, you don't say that. <laughs> uh, you, you go through these questions, and, and all of a sudden, what you're, you're trying to identify or, or put into position or place where people are. And, and in the world, this is the world that Saul was, as he was almost just trying to climb a ladder. Of prominence. He's trying to climb this ladder of reputation, of, of position, of uh, authority. You see, some of us is that we we find out, you know, oh, they're they're a teacher, they're a plumber. They're elite, they're pros, they're amateurs. You know, in a sense, identity has become how we measure ourselves. Our image, our status, our money, our career. Our association, titles, everything and anything. This is what I find. Is that if we're not careful, our identity is found within man. Where God calls us to find our identity in him. And for Paul, he is in this point Where he's on his knees and he's asking the question, who are you, Lord? Who are you, Lord? Because all of a sudden it hasn't become about him, it's become about him. How many of us sometimes just need to get back to that place where we're on our knees and we're like, who are you, Lord? I find sometimes within our life is that, you know, we can be so focused in who we are and where we're going that we forget who God is in our life. And sometimes we need an account like on the road to Damascus where God puts us back on our knees so we can acknowledge He is Lord again. Awfully quiet in here. And I find here is Paul. He's on purpose. He's on mission. Our identity is only in Jesus, and it's revealed by His Spirit. It is revealed by His Spirit. Freedom is in Him. Redemption is in Him. Wholeness is in Him. It is not man who defines who we are, but God who defines who we are. At the end of our life, it's not going to matter what we have, but at the end of the life, it's going to matter who he is in our life. And here's Paul. He's on his knees. It's in him we were created and intended to be. If you look at 2 Corinthians 5, 17, Paul puts it this way. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. All things have passed away, and behold, All things have become new. That's what I love about salvation. It's a turning point. It's a point where we turn from what was old and we lean into Him. The Spirit of God is the identity maker of the converted. Paul, at that moment, at that time, had an identity encounter. All that he'd known, all that he'd thought, was turned upside down in that moment, on bended knee. But I, I love his response. Because while he's on his knees, he makes this response. Who are you, Lord? Who are you, Lord? If we want to have authority in Christ, then we need to acknowledge who He is. You know, on bended knee, the Spirit reveals. His authority, and in turn reveals our authority. Uh, He calls out, who are you, Lord? And then he gets up and he's like, well, I'm blind. There's a voice. Okay, you've got my attention. Okay, you got my attention. Saul is admitting here, whoever is speaking has authority. Whoever is speaking has authority. And I'm not messing with them. Who's ever tried messing with someone with authority? It just doesn't work. If your boss at work asks you to do something, what do you do? You do it. Why? Because he writes your paycheck. Some young guys still need to learn that, but over time, you know, at, at home, you know, when your wife speaks, <laughs> men. If your clothes don't match, men. Oh, I remember as a kid, you're in the playground. You know, I, I, I remember as a kid in the playground, sometimes I was... Um, uh, I don't know how you would put it, really not quite obedient. Um, but but every now and then, you know, you, you, you know, as a kid, you, you, you test the waters. You know, you have one parent that you try and play off against the other, and, you know, at school you have teachers, and a teacher can call out and say, hey, don't do that, don't do that. But who knows, sometimes with a teacher you can always push it. Who you knows when the principal speaks? You see that kid that just always pushes, just go, that's a different voice. I know that voice. I felt that voice back in the day when they had the paddle. But those things, that, but there are some ones that, when they have authority, all of a sudden you listen. And Paul is at that moment where he's like, I'm hearing a voice. A bright light has just shone. I'm on my knees, and now I can't see. This person, this has authority, has authority. It reminds me of Jonah. You know what? Jonah comes to mind on this. You read the story of Jonah. God says to him, go to Nineveh. But he gets on a boat and goes the other way. Most of us know the story. He's swallowed by a whale, then he's spat out again. You know, it doesn't end up good for him. He ends up in a storm. But then all of a sudden, Jonah, he's spat out And he's like, okay, God, have it your way, I'll go. How many of us are like that? When God says something to us and it's like, I've got a better way, God. Sometimes I think we just don't get it. He is God of the universe. He created us. And yet sometimes we tell him, God, no, no, that's not going to work. That's impossible, God. He's like, no, no, it was impossible trying to create you. You try that. it's No, it's nothing is impossible for him. But yet sometimes we question him. And Jonah's here. And he's like, God, they're not worth it. They're not. You know, there was probably over 600,000 people in Nineveh at the time. He goes into Nineveh. He preaches the word of God. He asks them. He tells them to repent. Not art ah, tells them to repent. And they all repent from the king down. And a city is saved. How many of us are like that? Is that when God speaks, you know, God shows up and he says, Hello, here I am, this is what I want you to do. And you're like, What, me? No, no, don't, don't pick me. Pick Tim. Tim's better looking, uh, Tim can do it. Tim's got it covered, God. No, no, I want you. I-, I-, I want you. But how many of us have never said actually, yes, Lord? How many of us actually have never said, yes, Lord? And then we wonder why our life is the way it is. Because we're actually not walking in the fulfillment of what God has for us. we're not walking in the fulfillment of what God has for us. I believe the curse of democracy is that we never truly respect authority. Let me say that one again. I believe the curse of democracy is that we never truly respect authority. People are like, whoa, well, it's true. It's like, look at how we treat our prime ministers. Look at how we treat the people in authority over us. It's like if they don't agree with our opinion, then. Pfft. You know, sometimes we can honor people, we don't actually have to agree with them. But I, I love this is that right there, at that moment, in order to live in authority, we need to come under authority. We need to come under authority. Luke 9, 1 says this, and then he called the 12 disciples together and he gave them power and authority over all the demons and to cure diseases. Even Jesus, he would always say this, he would never do anything unless he saw the Father do it first. And in turn, he turns to us and says, you know what, now you have the authority that I have. Go. But first we need to come under authority to be able to work within his authority. And so we have Paul, he's, on, he's like, well, you know what, this is, everything in my life right now doesn't matter because there is a higher authority. I'm on my knees right now, there is a higher authority authority, and I need to come into a place under this authority. Authority in Christ means this, is that you place your confidence for life and eternity in the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Quiet in here. In the Lordship of Jesus Christ. For some of us, we're happy to call Him Savior, but then it's another thing to call Him Lord. Have you ever noticed that? He is my saviour, but is he your Lord? Is he your Lord and saviour? In the kingdom, we all have the same position, and that's on our knees. Do you realise that? It's on our knees worshipping the King of kings and the Lord of lords. It's on our knees saying, God, you are the one and only you are the one and only. Colossians 1.16 For everything, absolutely everything, above and below, visible and invisible, rank after rank after rank of angels, everything got started in him and finds its purpose in him. On bended knee, the Spirit of God reveals our purpose it reveals our identity it reveals his authority it reveals our purpose it reveals our purpose many people use the phrase and i've said it before is that they had a road to damascus experience is that they'd found their purpose and meaning some event in their life has turned them to a purpose to a cause For their life, it has brought meaning to their life. And really, they're talking about the story of Paul. Is that when we come into a place and we receive the purpose from God, what we get is we get a revelation from His Word, we get a revelation of who He's called us to be. And through that comes purpose. And what's sure to follow? God's plans for your life. God always has a plan to bring you out of and into. He, He brought us out of sin and into righteousness. He brought us out of death and into life, out of darkness and into light. That's God's purpose for your life. And then when you take hold of his purpose, our purpose is to bring heaven to earth and to help other people get out of darkness and into light. And so here we have Saul. He's he's on bended knee. God has got his attention. God is speaking to him. He's telling him, This is what I want you to do. I want you to get up. I want you to go to Damascus. I want you to stay there and someone is going to come and see you. They're going to pray with you three days later. The guy that actually had to come and see Saul had a visitation from God himself. He said, he was in Damascus and God came and visited him in a dream and said, I want you to go to Saul. I want you to pray with him. I want you to tell him. He's like, do you know this guy? He's out to kill us. But okay, God, whatever you say, here I go. Who knows that he has to trust the word of God. He has to trust the spirit of God that's speaking to him at that moment. And he goes. notice at the end of the story, it just wasn't about Saul, it was about Ananias as well, hearing the voice of God. I believe this It takes a group of people. It took someone else to come along as well as God to bring Saul into his purpose. It takes a group of believers to see the church of Christ flourish. And here's Paul, he's on on his knees and he, he's got guys around him and it says within the, in the verses that the guys that were with Saul heard voices. They heard the voice, but they saw nothing. But it was only Saul that was blinded by the light and as he arises, he realizes he can't see. I believe this is the reason he couldn't see was so that his trust would have to be in God. Who knows? Remember back to your encounter with God, that moment that you decided to follow Jesus, that, that moment that you had a Damascus experience, that moment that the Spirit of God spoke to you. Did you know what to do the next day? Did you know where to go? And I believe at this moment he's here and all he has to do is trust those around him and trust God and the voice that it's heard. For some of us, we just need to trust the Spirit of God and what he says. Sometimes he'll only give you one word. And as you take hold of that word, just trust upon it. Yeah, but I can't see what else He has for me. I can't see what's the next step. He's just saying, trust. Stop looking around at the things around you. Stop looking at what others have, but just trust me. Trust my word. Saul, he knew every word in the Bible, inside and out of the Old Testament, the laws. He knew everything, but yet he did not know God. And this is my thought. It takes the Spirit of God to unveil the things of God. Because we'll never see the promises and purposes of God within the Bible if we're not filled with the Spirit of God. If it's not revealed to us, from the Spirit of God. And let me say something just quickly. The Spirit of God doesn't mean that you have to speak in tongues. That is a gift of the Spirit. If you want to know whether the Spirit of God is in your life, look at the fruits of your life. Love, joy, peace. It's another sermon altogether. And so some of us get so caught up as a, well, we just don't have, sometimes it's not about feeling God, it's about knowing God, knowing His Spirit. And here's Paul, he's on his knees, he's, here I am. In Acts 26, verse 16, it says this, But rise and stand on your feet, for I have appeared to you for." this purpose, to make you a minister and a witness, both of the things which you have seen and of the things which I have yet to reveal to you. Right there, gives him purpose. Right there, it's telling him the things that you've seen right now, but you're going to see a whole lot more, things that you haven't seen. I read this and doesn't it sound so familiar? that verse to the verse to the scripture in Matthew 28 18 to 20 and Jesus came and spoke to them saying to his disciples all authority has been given to me in heaven and earth go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you to. I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. In Him, the Spirit reveals our identity. In Him, the Spirit reveals our authority. In Him, the Spirit reveals our purpose. Our purpose is to make disciples. Today, do you hear the voice of God? Do you hear the whispers of the Spirit? As you open your word, as you drive your car, as you stand in that place, As you come on bended knee and just say, God, you are Lord today, speak. Young Samuel had to learn that way. He heard a voice calling out, but he didn't know the response. And he went to an older guy, the priest of the day. And the priest was like, well, I'm not speaking, but... This is the response that you should have. Speak, Lord, your servant hears. Today, what is your response? What is your response to the Spirit of God when he speaks to you? Just bow your heads. Just close your eyes for a couple of seconds. Today I've spoken about an encounter that Saul had with Jesus on the road to Damascus. And I don't know everyone in this building, but I would like to ask you this question. Is that right now, Jesus is here. The Spirit of God is here in this room. just like he got Saul's attention. Just like he called out to Samuel as Samuel slept at night, called out his name, Samuel, Samuel. Today I believe Jesus is calling out your name. And as he's calling out Your name. What is your response? What is your response? Is it yes, Lord? Your servant hears. Is it Lord? Who are you? today, all he wants is a relationship with you. The star. And as he calls out your name today, and I don't know whether you have a relationship, I don't know. But what I would love to do is pray for you if you don't. If your response is, Lord, your servant is." If your response is, I want to make you, my Lord. If your response is, Jesus, I want to know you today, I would love to pray with you. And while everyone's head is bowed and eyes are closed, so I know who I'm praying with, I would love for you just to raise your hand quickly just as I look across the building. Yeah, thanks, mate, down the front. Yep, in the center. Up the back, yeah. Does anyone else just want to join them quickly. If you don't know Him, maybe you've been coming for a while. Maybe you've fallen away and you haven't said yes, Lord. Today, just as I look across one more time if you want to Join with these ones, these three. four. Father God, you see our hearts. You know our response. And Lord God, for most of us in this building, the response has been, here I am, Lord. Your servant hears. Today, Father God, for those ones that have said that for the first time, Maybe they haven't raised their hands, but in their hearts, they're saying, I want to make you, Lord. I want to know Jesus. Lord God, today I pray that you come and intertwine them with your Spirit. Father, you said that you would send us a helper, your Holy Spirit. And today, let your Holy Spirit dwell in every believer's life right here. That you'll bring us to faith in you that we declare your goodness of who you are and what you've called us to be. Today, Father, let us have a moment of connecting with you. That you bring us out of sin and into righteousness, out of darkness and into light, out of unforgiveness and into forgiveness. Come on. Into your mercy and into your grace today. Father, we thank you in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. Come on, let's give him a hand. It's great. for the ones that put up their hands or if in your heart you're like I I need to get back I need to make him Lord or if you're part of that today make sure you go out to the yes there'll be someone out there get connected with a life group get connected with a group of people that you you can do life with and like I said Saul he was on his knees he had to get up he had people around him guide him back to Damascus And at Damascus, someone came along and confirmed the word that was spoken to him on the road. Today, with us, that's the same thing. And so we're not called to do this alone. We are called to do this as a family, one another, where we stand together to declare the goodness and purposes of God in our life. Church, don't miss that. Don't come in week in and week out by yourself. Make sure you get connected. Make sure you find a group you can be with. Find someone with common interests and live the life that God has called us to be on purpose for His cause. Well, it's been a great morning. Well, how about we stand? And tonight, don't forget, we have our worship night. Make sure you can make it. It's going to be a phenomenal night and great things are going to happen. See you all next Sunday. Thank you.